Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio, where we talk about all sorts of things like technology, business, politics, and culture. This is Donia Keating. I'm your host. I'm coming live to you from the Seattle area at about 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Tuesday, August 2nd. Listeners, you can dial 646-378-0261. It'll patch you right in live for on-air questions or comments with me. Uh, raise your hand by pressing 1 on your keypad if you want to speak. That's the way we know what you want to do there. And there is also a chat option. So um, you might want to open up a Blog Talk Radio account first. It's free and it's fun. It makes things a little easier, but not necessary. This is our first show since about, I don't want to, I want to say March or April. I think the last show we did was about Trump, I think. Anyway, we'll do a quick roundup of what's been kind of grabbing our listeners' attention. We've been pinged and pinged and pinged about things that they want to talk about, and we just haven't been able to get there. I've been very busy, and uh, so we'll just uh, cover some things that they want us to talk about. And if you're out there and you want to chime in live or via chat, just jump on in. I don't know if anyone's going to be joining us, but I will kind of scoot over to the panel here. Uh, It's changed a little bit, Chris. Anyway, looks like somebody's out here. Let me see who it is. Hello. Okay. Charles. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Charles. Hi there. <laughs> well, sounds like we have our own <laughs> one nine hundred Charles. Anyway, <laughs> why don't you take a quick moment um, because we don't know who's listening out there and just kind of give a, a brief who you are thing. I am president of West Sound Technology and uh, long running Blog Talk Radio uh, aficionado. How's that sound? Okay. That sounds good. And I don't, you know, whatever. Whoever I am, let's just get going. So first thing, let's get it out of the way. I mean, this is kind of the biggest ping of why aren't you covering presidential elections. Wow. I mean, what's the first word that comes to mind for you, Charles? Just one word only or in the, in the uh, you know, like uh, Hunt for Red October, one ping only. So just give me one word uh, that comes to mind for you, the first word when you think about the presidential elections. Choice. Choice. Interesting. Okay. So my word, I probably could say it on here, but I will not. So instead, I'll just give the call sign, and it's Charlie Foxtrot. If you don't know what that means out there, look it up. You can Google it. But the bottom line is, I just think it's, well, that, well, wait a minute. 
Charlie Foxtrot is two words. What it stands for might be one word. <laughs> so let's just leave it at that. It's unbelievable. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, there are a lot of questions, you know, that we've received through chat and otherwise. You know, how did Trump get this far? Uh, why can't we have a discussion in our society that's balanced or open or that involves critical thinking skills versus emotion or confirmation bias? Why aren't we strong enough or resilient enough to break through our patterns and create something different from the status quo? You know, we're, we're so busy you know, from what I'm observing out there, we're being afraid or frightened by so much messaging and rhetoric out there and hyperbole that some of us have obviously forgotten how to be revolutionaries. I mean, there's a whole third-party vote discussion that I'm seeing out there, and it just makes me think, you know, how do you expect to get to something different if you're not willing to go through the pain of creating it? I mean, we have a system where people just keep voting for the lesser of two evils, and then it comes down to the, well, if you don't vote for this person, and if you vote for a third party, you're taking a vote away from this other person. And yes, that is true, but you know, it still begs the question, as I said um, before, of how do you expect to get to something different if you're not willing to experience a little bit of pain uh, in a disruptive system to get to that? Anyway, what are some of your thoughts, Charles, about the elections? Well, I think this is this is a great opportunity for people to finally vote for a third-party candidate. Um, I mean, if you look at the party for Gary Johnson and Libertarian, I mean, it's what a lot of people really want. They don't want status quo, and they don't want, you know, crazy off the wall. And um, they feel that if politics has been very corrupted, you know, we're really, we're willing parties. As long as we continue to vote into a two-party system, and that system has been controlled and manipulated, then we're, we're, you know, looking in the mirror, we are the problem. As long as we keep voting for just R's and D's, and I'm not saying that all R's and D's across the nation are bad. In fact, it's not. There's a lot of great local candidates and even governors and representatives, people with, you know, good hearts, good minds, and uh, they're, you know, they're thinking in the right place. The problem is, is at the very national level, I think the whole process has been so corrupted and uh, you know, quite frankly, I think the Republican Party is going to probably split, and I don't, I don't bemoan that. I mean, um, I think it needed to for a long time, but for this election right now, um, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to start looking at other candidacies and actually getting involved in voting that way, rather than just saying I don't like my two choices, let me stay home. Look at the other choices and please vote. I think the other thing is that if you have any basic uh, understanding of the political process and governance, more importantly, and how public policy is executed, you realize that you know the the it's important to elect the right president or the best president or whatever you want to call it or the cabinet. But you understand that there is a uh, checks and balances system in the United States for a reason. There are three branches of government for a reason. And and so, you know, people that think that someone's going to be elected president and all of a sudden every single thing that they're saying on the campaign trail is going to come into fruition. And you just want to thump them in the head and say, you know, this is about Congress, too. So while you're sitting here trying to scare the heck out of your friends about, you know, Hillary versus Trump, understand that this is also going to come down to, you know, your senators, you know, your congresspersons, who you're voting for. And even at the state level in terms of some of the policies that we're looking at, whether it's economic development or technology innovation or, 
you know, education. I mean, some of these decisions are going to trickle down. So don't just get so caught up in, you know, the media cycle of who your POTUS is. You know, you have to look at, you know, your downstream and making sure that you're looking at those candidates as well, because they're going to be, in some instances, people that either push back on, you know, some of the stuff that comes from the Hill, or they're going to be the people that are in a corrective position. So, you know, I look at some of this, you know, oh, my God, you know, you know, Trump is going to be horrible. He's going to be – and, yes, I mean, he is not helping himself by any stretch of the imagination with the stupidity that comes out of his mouth. But by no um, means are we should we be deluding ourselves. You know, some of these people, even though he's had a lot of xenophobic and racist and – you know, very, very dividing, divisive language, not just him, but several other candidates, all of them, frankly, uh, on some level. Um, the bottom line is that there are people that are still dedicated to voting for him for no other reason than he's an outsider. He's not beholden to the system and special interests. He's had to raise the least amount of his own money in order to, to run for office. And, you know, I think I saw somewhere on on the web that, I think there's been $400 million spent on a campaign. I mean, you you kind of look at that system and how we've gotten to the point where there are people that can't eat. They don't have a place to stay. They don't have shoes. And we're spending $400 million to get a person elected to office. I mean, there's something obscene about that system, and, and we certainly need to start looking at it and stop just giving it lip service and making some changes to that. Citizens United didn't really do us a lot of favor, and I think it's leading to – the elections being bought. But I also think, and I agree with you, the downstream elections, you know, the, the, the representatives, the governors, all these things matter. However, what's at the top of the ticket really matters a lot because the presidency, even though it's three, three, uh, three branches of government and it's limited by the Constitution, if somebody doesn't even respect the Constitution and wants to work around it, there are ways. Uh, presidents can do a lot of things by official decrees and, and in the way they implement the laws that could really, it, it could become a constitutional crisis very quickly if somebody decided they wanted to rule by fiat. Um, it's never been tried that way to that level, but there have been instances in the past where stuff like this has happened. And even even people that are very liberal and they're wanting to interpret things, if they felt that they were blocked by other branches of government, threatened radical action. I could go back to FDR threatening to pack the Supreme Court. So if you have an understanding of history, you should know, yes, the Constitution has set up branches of government to create limited spheres of influence, but, the, but a candidate who feels like they can step outside of those boundaries could be very dangerous and could, could do a lot of damage. So that's why it's still important. Um, and that's why I think you have to vote, really, this is an election more than most, where you should look at each individual candidate and say, here's somebody on the Republican, the Democratic, or the Independent side that represents my best ideals, and to, and to vote that way. And I hope that a lot of people do, because I think that will lead to a better result than maybe we've had in a long time. Uh, I don't have any interest in voting for Trump, but the way he's represented himself, I think just the way he's handled the candidacy tells me he's not, he's not presidential material. And I think Clinton, while she would represent continuing of the status quo, is not going to lead to an upset of the system that directly deals with the, the core problems. Trump has got a protest vote right now because things are not good for a lot of people, and those needs aren't being addressed. I just don't think Trump's the best candidate. 
And I think that, you know, going back to your earlier point about how it matters who our POTUS is, I, I wasn't meaning to suggest that it doesn't matter. I'm just, you know, and, and actually, if you look at it from a broad or global, uh, global perspective, I mean, who we elect as our world leader or as our, our national leader does have some kind of a reflection uh, to the world, the rest of the world, as to what kind of a nation we become. And so in, in that sense, you know, if we elect someone who's just kind of blowing hard, who hasn't really laid down any um, substantive policy um, initiatives or anything that they're going to do, and yet they're still rising and rising and rising, I mean, on, on the basis of rhetoric and, and kind of getting people riled up. I mean, yes, that has some repercussions as well. So um, I agree with you in terms of uh, going out and voting for your conscience. I do um, also, on the flip side of it, understand what people say when they say, oh, my God, you know, you don't have the luxury of that right now. We're we're in a crisis, and we cannot, quote, unquote, allow ourselves as a nation to, to elect Hitler. I mean, I think that's what it's coming down to with the whole Godwin's um, argument. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get into any more details about this particular topic because there's so many other that people, you know, others other people want us to cover. But I would say that, um, you know, just as a general operating principle, if you understand how government works, you have to get beyond the rhetoric here, and you have to start working the system in a different way if you want different results. Because if you continue to do the same things that you're always doing, you're going to continue to get the same results. And so. Um, the second com uh, conversation or topic that has come up quite a bit, and I think it kind of relates to this, is the um, social media and civility when engaging one another and how to talk to one another about, you know, several subjects, but of, co of course, obviously, um, even the elections. And I, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into this in too much detail. I think it's pretty obvious, but, you know, the short short response here is that I think a lot of people are uh, dealing with their own biases. They're not willing to step outside of them. And they, uh, you know, you can see things on the Internet or in other articles, whether it's social media, whatever, where people are willing to talk about what's wrong with the other side, but they're not willing to critically assess their own shortcomings on their side. And, you know, there was a graphic that was out there. I think I sent it. It was about why political discussions on Facebook in particular are, are fruitless. And there was a graphic in there that talked about, you know, that showed all the conversations on both sides, on both extremes, where they had these really high bars. And then in the middle, the lowest bar of all, were the people that were, you know, they're, they're willing to look at both sides. They're willing to assess. They're willing to look at something and criticize it in order to change it. And those people get drowned out because they're either considered from the right, you're dealing with people that are on the left. And if you're in a right-wing, quote-unquote, environment, then you're considered from the less left. And it's like we for, we've lost the ability to even allow for uh, any type of, of balanced discussion without assuming that that's some type of an endorsement for the other side. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, if you're not with us, you're against us, so you must be the enemy. And I think that's the operative principle with a lot of these discussions. If you don't parrot our, our party line, so to speak, or our, our, our way of thinking, then, God, you must be an ungodly communist or a radical sympathizer, or, you know, it just goes on and on. But you know what? All the ad hominems you throw out there in the world, um, I still think there's a place for people that look at an issue dispassionately. And, and here's the thing. I think the Republicans and the Democrats, when they work together, it's much better because you don't want to have overreaching government and you don't want to have too small of aspirations. You want to have the right balance. And I think together, when they have our partisanship, um, they do. They have a much better result, and, and and unfortunately, it doesn't look exciting. You know, it's not Facebook exciting. It's not you know, it's that dull candidate who works with both sides that actually gets the most done, not the guy who's 
you know, a firebrand, uh, you know, speaking, you know, what he is or isn't going to do or she is or isn't going to do on the national stage or in the international stage. You know, that makes good, poli- you know, I say uh, that looks good for ads, but it doesn't look good for actual effective governance. So I don't know. I will still be in the middle. I've always been an issues guy. I always like, you know, reasonable discussion. And I think, you know, even somebody as crazy as Trump has, has brought up an issue finally that has not been addressed, and that is what's happening in the country in terms of equality and how people are um, investing and in contributing to, I, I'd say, a certain level of corruption in business practice and government practice that uh, people aren't going to tolerate anymore. So, you know, ballyhoo for him for having raised the issue. Now we have to start thinking about how to address it. So, you know, back to the topic of social media, and yeah, of course, it's going to keep going back to the presidential thing because there's a lot of different issues um, that are kind of flowing into that. Um, but even here's another one, for example, and this is a, one of the third things that people said they wanted to talk about is the police issue. Now, whether that's yeah. them shooting someone or whether it's them being assassinated, the Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter thing. And it kind of makes you wonder um, what people are thinking, really. I saw a graphic. It was in four frames, and so the first frame is an African-American male. He's wearing a Black Lives Matter T-shirt, and a white male is, with smoke coming, coming out of his ears is kind of leaning in with an All Lives Matter sign. So next frame is a white female, breast cancer awareness T-shirt, same steamed white male leaning in, and he's got a sign that says All Cancers Matter. Third frame, I think you're getting the picture here, Asian Indian female, she's got a no means no sign and a, a no rape you know kind of thing on her shirt with a you know red line thrown through it. Same steam white male leaning in, all words matter. And then the final frame is a woman with a Save the Whales t-shirt and the white male with smoke pouring out of his ears again, leaning in with all mammals matter and kind of an especially me addendum on his t-shirt. And the point being, you know, some people <laughs> are so caught up in trying to find a reason to fight with one another that discernment just goes out of the window. I mean, I'm not well-read on the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, surprise. And certainly don't condone violence or killing law enforcement officers, but it's clear at least to me that advocating for fairness and treatment, and that's provided that there's something else that isn't going on in those encounters, obviously, is a valid request that doesn't automatically negate the importance of all other lives. I, I've, I've witnessed you know, some of the same things, and even you, know, you talk about social media and your discussions online, Charles, where you know, the thrust of your conversation starts to shift. And so you have people that are inside of that discussion with you that start talking about the discussion and picking apart your words so that that person can grandstand at your expense. It doesn't matter what you really meant. It just matters that you know, to them, they they don't want to connect with you. They don't want to understand or learn or have any kind of a mutually beneficial process. It's just listening long enough to pick an argument. So you can have 10 things that you wrote that they, you know, and out of those 10 things, they agree with nine and a half of them, let's say. But instead of having a discussion about those commonalities so that you can bridge and come up with something that's beneficial, you know, in that space and then, you know, extrapolate out to the population at large, instead they will spend an inordinate amount of time trying to debate that point five as if there's some kind of a set of Ginzu knives or something on the other end of that exchange. And it's just, you know, it's the same type of non-thinking back and forth that's happening um, at the larger scale that, you know, on the, the Black Lives Matter, the police matters. I, I want you to talk about that one uh, story where the guy had his hands up in the air and he still got shot. Uh, yeah, it's just you know pure incompetence. Um, there, there is legitimate issues on both sides of this issue. Not maybe this particular incident, but I'm saying it's just in general. Um, 
you know, there is a lot of disparities in the way law enforcement is being practiced. And, you know, if you're a person of color, you have a very different experience in, in being able to travel to the United States and feel safe. And that's a problem, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's because the way the laws are being enforced aren't being enforced equally. And that, that is essentially against the Constitution. It violates due process. When you are shot for trying to produce a driver's license or documentation because, because simply the color of your skin, you scared the shit out of the cops and they shoot you dead, well, I think the only thing that's going to eventually change that is, you know, body cameras and people with car cameras in their cars. People are going to see enough of this, these, and they're finally going to start demanding more accountability for the way police do these encounters. And on the flip side of that, police have an incredibly difficult job with such a violent society that seems prone to solving its problems. You know, the solution to problems is more violence. And I think that's in our media and so many things. So guess what? We have created the problem, and now we have to unwind it. And uh, so that particular case, I, I think, was just, you know, you can – what you can do is you obviously need to prosecute when there's malfeasance. And, you know, I think the problem with, you know, what Black Lives Matter has said is, you know, what about the other, you know, 300 cases that don't even see the light of the day because, you know, a statement was made and people just assumed that the person did wrong. Here's a flip side. There was another case in the media where – there was a woman with a five-year-old child in her arm who was brandishing a shotgun, and she got shot. Well, yeah. I mean, the point is there's expressions of sympathy for the woman, but does it matter that she was brandishing a shotgun? Of course it does. So, I mean, if we keep resorting to violence, I can't, can't just say unilaterally that the police are wrong or, or that people are wrong. We have to look at everything case by case and assess the actual evidence of a situation and start taking some of the emotion out of it and start making it more dispassionate. Um, and I think, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe one day we're going to end up with a you know, robotic police force because we don't trust human judgment, but that would lead to its own issues. <laughs> are we yeah. still in charge anymore? You know, it's just weird. But needless to say, I think we just have to be, basically get back to the evidence and uh, I, I do agree there is a reasonable, uh, certainly a significant problem. We, you know, I, I have an interracial relationship, so I know what that's like. I know, you know, maybe to a small degree, I don't feel it the same way, but obviously you don't get treated the same depending upon the color of your skin when you walk right. into an establishment. Right. And that's a problem. That's a real problem. We haven't grown out of that yet. And I don't know if it's going to happen even in my lifetime. So I would love to see that change. And I think the way to make that change is to get, you know, integration with more people of color and more positions. And over time, it's harder to act that way when you're surrounded by people of color than it, than it is when you walk into a room and, you know, you see a see a white faces with, you know, two two black people, and you wonder where where's the rest of our population in this well, particular scenario. Well, you know, getting back to the, you know, the, the, talking about the whole Black Lives Matter and everything else. I mean, it, it's. Obviously, uh, I think that you know, as, as, as removed as we can get from the emotion and dealing with the facts, and also some sensitivity training that actually works, 
Um, and then, of course, from the community side and some um, kind of commitment to, the, to that change. You know, you can't get into a position where you say, you know, oh, my God, you shouldn't have shot him. He was only doing this or you shouldn't have shot her. She was only doing that. There needs to be some kind of accountability there where you can say, you know, look, this is the way that you deal with encounters. You don't push back. You don't fight. You don't do this. And I mean, un- unfortunately, that's just the way it is for most people. You don't start to, you know, enter into confrontations. You you try to give them the information. You keep your hands up. I mean, just kind of really basic stuff. But, you know, again, as we talked about, um, it's obvious that there's some bias in society, uh, whether it's with law enforcement or otherwise. I was just reading an article the other day or looking at a video where this woman has a um, – I think it's a sister-in-law or a sister, somebody in her family who is um, mixed race, but she looks white, and they were in the store together, and the woman was in front of her buying something and, you know, got chatted up and processed through, and then for her... You know, she was asked for two pieces of ID and then um, had the the clerk pull out a list of bad checks to to compare it with her um, driver's license and all of this really humiliating stuff just because of the color of her skin and the the distinction. So I think that as a society, I mean, before we start arguing about whether it's Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, we need to take some responsibility for some of our own biases and the way that we treat people. So anyway, enough of that. Another subject that people wanted to talk about, um, which was some good news after a protracted battle, and, and it hit the wire, but is it me? I mean, are we so consumed with the election that we're not really paying attention to this? Because it's really huge. Um, the Microsoft case and the decision about digital privacy, um, it's, it's huge. We covered this issue in a prior podcast. Um, but the bottom line is that Microsoft ended up with a Second Circuit Court victory about access to emails on a server in Ireland. And the Department of Justice is right, so they believed, to just go out there and kind of snatch that because Microsoft was a U.S. company. And you know, some of the, 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 the fallout from that would have been you know, other countries creating their own servers because they wanted to get away from that overreaching um, decision-making you know, by the DOJ, and just trying to get, you know, some respect so that if there is interest in access to emails that are on another server in another country, even if that company is an American company, to use the same process that they would if it was uh, if it was paper versus electronic uh, information. Kind of an interesting, um, timely decision, especially in light of some of the WikiLeaks and, you know, Snowden and, and DNC uh, leak um, headlines that are out there. Any thoughts on that? Quick thoughts on that, Charles? Um, I think that was a great decision. I know that it's not over because I know it will get appealed to the Supreme Court. I also think that when I read the opinion on how they judged it, they didn't judge the larger issue. They they, they judged on some smaller issues and techniques. So, you know, basically it comes around to our laws have to be updated. And unfortunately, the damage is already being done in that other nations aren't trusting the United States with the way we manage our data and privacy. And as a result, I mean, there's, you know, Europe, you know, basically stayed for a year and we created a new law to replace Safe Harbor. And uh, they're going to review it again after another year to see if there's significant progress. But essentially, it has to be created in a legislative bench. We have to update our laws. Because until the laws get updated, it's really going to continue to be a problem. And really, um, I think this is a... This is probably a much more important battle even than, say, the presidential election, because Mm -hmm. how we are going to be citizens in the world is going to be our digital lives and our digital footprint. And if somebody can just kind of tap in there and take anything they want and use it against us, that's going to be really, really, you know, long-term negative. 
So I think it's time for us to step up into this gap and basically say, look, people have to have protections. Let's protect people's rights. There has to be some reasonable security guarantees. Yes, law enforcement sometimes has legal access and legal needs. We're dealing with some, some really ingrained security issues. How do you keep a population safe when people are trying to hide in it, blend in, and then attack us? Uh, you know, there, there are some real problems there. I say we update the laws. But we, gotta, we also have to be clear-eyed and realistic about what we need to do to keep our people safe. I think that, uh, you know, we had it, like I said before, we had a, a live-to-podcast um, show with uh, Jonathan Freebert of Microsoft and also Voices for Innovation. I'm one of the um, advisory task force members of that advocacy group, and we went to the White House, and we've done a lot yeah. of um, you know, lobbying at the uh, executive branch level as well as legislative, and and so it was kind of really uh, exciting to see that uh, come into fruition. And yes, it's a, it's a protracted fight, but it's an important one. So, you know, keep your eye on this space, so to speak. Uh, we've got about uh, two minutes left to talk about some other things. So. Let's move into quickly um, the Comcast one. I'm not going to go into a lot of details here because we are short on time, but th- the bottom line is that in Washington State, um, there's a lawsuit for um, $100 million by the Attorney General um, against Comcast for engaging in a pattern of deceptive practices and deceiving customers, and it really comes down to um, some of their um, – you know, their their Comcast guarantee protection plans where they're getting customers to pay a monthly fee to avoid being charged for um, Comcast technician visits, and yet it doesn't cover things that they're claiming that it would claim, that it would uh, it contain when they were selling it. And so there's also that plus, you know, the fact that they were pinging people's credit reports um, in order to determine whether or not to get them to uh, submit a deposit for an equipment uh, piece or to just actually um, waive that. And yet even so there were some people that had high credit scores. They still made them pay a deposit. So there's all kinds of things and restitution that, that they want at the AG level. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things where you just have to stay tuned and see what's going to happen with that. Uh, any quick thoughts on that, Charles? I actually don't know the details of it. I will read it. But I think, uh, you know, maybe it's one of those things where Comcast has to clean its business act up uh, because if they want to become essentially one of the gateways to the Internet, they have to do a better job of customer service. Um, and, uh, you know, we use their service. Uh, a lot of my clients use their service. So in that yep. respect, they provide services to us every day, and it's a very essential and useful service. But I think we also have to make sure that there's regulatory guarantees to make sure those services are provided um, reasonably and fairly, and, uh, you know, they don't put people through undue hurdles. So, you know, clean up their act, man. I mean, I I don't have a problem with them as a company, but I think they have to be careful. Well, I guess that's it for us, getting cut off. So that's it, people. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Um, you Thank can hear you. the podcast here, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Uh, follow us at Facebook, backslash STR8 Talk Radio. Sam, Tommy, Roger, the number eight Talk Radio. I am signing off here at about 1.30. On Tuesday, August 2nd, Tonya Keating. I'll see you when I see you. See you next time.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.